Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List. Uh, today, we're heading up a joke at the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox, uh, where you can send me any jokes, any questions, any concerns. Uh, today is from an anonymous listener, Dr. List. I have a little bit of a riddle for you today. What has four letters, but has three letters, and always has six letters? The answer? Yes, those words do have those letters. Oh, that's an awful joke. All right, let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It's your boy, uh, your pod doc, Dr. Mark List, coming at you with another episode today. Um, Today's episode is about COPD. And no, I'm not doing any new studies, um, but more this was a review. Um, I really struggle with COPD. Um, It's not one of my specialties. Uh, It's not one of my areas of expertise or interest. And I always struggle with the patient who you know, needs some inhalers, but which inhalers are better for them versus which ones are not as good for them, which ones can they afford with their insurance, which ones are cheaper, etc. Um, and so historically, I've always just kind of um, struggled a little with, with COPD. And then especially when it comes to COPD, uh, escalating, right? So let's say they're well-controlled and well-managed and everything's stable. Okay, that's great. But what happens if they're having more and more frequent exacerbations? Um, what happens if they are having worsening and slow, steady progression of symptoms? And I think a lot of us are tempted just to punt a lot of these people to pulmonology, for example, um, or, or, or not to deal with them. But I really think that COPD is something that we can clearly manage in primary care. Um, the, the most recent guidelines are from the uh, global, uh, hold on a second, the Global Initiative for, C, uh, for Chronic Obstructive Lung Disease, also known as the GOLD criteria. And their most recent update was in 2020, and so I'm using those, and also some handouts that were made from our organization. Um, Some of our pharmacy uh, groups uh, had come out with some handouts um, this uh, recently, and so on reviewing these, I realized this was a really good topic. Um, I do want to credit them. Uh, A couple of pharmacists uh, within our organization, Emily Van Kloppenberg and also Allison Hine, our pharmacists, uh, they had some um, pharmacy students that helped them as well, Jennifer Cathel and uh, Jacob Leiberg. Leiberg. Hopefully I'm not uh, mispronouncing those names. Um, but I, I, I think this is a really good topic, so I want to touch on it today. So in general, obviously, this isn't about diagnosing COPD. These are for people with known COPD or, or suspected COPD. But once you confirm the diagnosis, I think the key is that all patients should be offered a short-acting uh, bronchodilator, right? So usually that's a, a SABA, right? Uh, so albuterol, um, love albuterol, obviously, has less likely to have cardiac issues, um, tachycardia, et cetera. And again, one of the big things about beta-2 ad- adrenergic receptors, uh, you know, your short-acting um, beta adrenergic receptors is that they can cause, you know, sinus tach, can cause tremors, and can precipitate cardiac rhythm disturbances. 
And again, we're not so worried about this in kids. In fact, we rarely worry about the side effect of albuterol in kids. But in your COPD patients, who many of whom have other chronic conditions, congestive heart failure, already on thiazide diuretics, not only can this precipitate cardiac rhythm disturbances, but it can also precipitate hypokalemia, right? Because obviously albuterol is a significant um, treatment option for hyperkalemia and can be a short, a, a short acting fix for hyperkalemia to stabilize myocardium and lower the um, potassium. But in chronic patients that are taking thiazide diuretics for congestive heart failure, um, this is something that we really need to consider. Now, when there is there is some diagnosis, <laughs> there is some data that combination short-acting beta agonists and combination with that ipratropium, right, uh, short-acting muscarinic agent, has significant value over a short-acting beta agonist alone, right? So this is a combivent, right? In the United States, ipratropium slash albuterol is known as combivent. It is superior in symptom control and FEV1 improvement compared to albuterol by itself. Now, the problem is, is that this inhaler, in the United States at least, is $450 if insurance doesn't pay for it. So again, something that we absolutely need to consider um, as we are talking about COPD medications, and probably the biggest thing that I talk to patients about is the cost, right? Um, you know, we're going to talk a lot about this gold standard and kind of the recommended titration and the recommendations based on the data. But really, in my own practice, I, I live this all the time where choice of therapy and choice of inhalers are almost strictly driven by drug availability and cost and insurance coverage. I mean, I, I'm not joking when I say probably 90% of my decision isn't about the medicine, it's about the cost of the medicine. So, um, again, I, I think that having those individual discussions with patients is incredibly valuable. Um, I think that it, it allows us to have um, good discussions as these are things that absolutely do matter to patients. So if they need more, if patients need more and benefit more from a short-acting beta agonist, then the number one preferred drug class by all measures, by all statistics, are the long-acting muscarinic agonists, right? So LAMAs, okay? Now, this is recommended for all patients with moderate to even including an up to very severe COPD. Clinical trials have shown greater reduction in exacerbations and hospitalizations for LAMAs compared to LABAs or inhaled corticosteroids by themselves as monotherapy. And I think that's really, really, really important to not get in the habit of prescribing inhaled corticosteroids or long-acting bag agonists when long-acting muscarinic agents can suffice. Now, again, cost is the big concern with these. Um, if you go on GoodRx, um, where it's a really good place that obviously I use all the time for my own patients, and I recommend that they get it, and I, and I check it for them here in the room with them when I'm seeing them, uh, umeclidium, umeclidinium, uh, I'm never going to say that again, but umeclidinium, uh, in the United States known as the incruzolipta, right, is the cheapest of all of the monotherapy inhalers of LAMA and LABAs, actually, um, and is about $350 cash pay without insurance. 
That's still pretty crazy expensive, and I don't know too many patients that can actually afford that. Um, but again, it is it is cheaper than say teotropium, right? So teotropium, uh, Spiriva, one of the first ones ever created um, here, at least released in the United States. That's about four hundred fifty dollars cash pay. Um, again, that's uh, I've seen Spiriva, Spiriva, aka teotropium, covered more um, than uh, umiclidium, uh, but that is something that definitely uh, your mileage may vary. And again, these choices are highly, highly, highly differentiated um, between patients and insurance agents. Now, there are some other ones. Um, I'm not going to get into them as much because they tend to be a lot more expensive, but if there is insurance coverage for them, fantastic. Aclinidium, uh, also known as Tudorza, and uh, a brand new one, uh, Uprelvri is the is the brand name. Uh, Refinacin uh, is over $1,000, and uh, the Aclinidium is about $600 per month. So I don't recommend either of those compared to um, the... Uh, uh, teotropium or the umeclidium unless you have better insurance coverage for those two. Now, when do we change, right? When would we ever use something that's not a llama, right? And for that, it really is driven by symptoms and by patient function, okay? And so there are a couple of different scales according to the gold criteria that you can use. Um, and I've used a lot of different ones in the past. Um, but I've used the CAT before. The CAT score is the COPD assessment test. And it, it, it's really a multiple choice question, almost like a PHQ-9 or a GAD-7, um, where they select zero, you know, a bunch of different questions. I think there's one, two, three, four, eight questions. Um, and there you can score zero to, zero to five on either quest, on any of the questions. And so you can have a score from zero all the way up to 40. And basically, a cat of less than 10 is less symptomatic, and a cat greater than 10 is more symptomatic. And so it requires increase and kind of a step up if we want to feed into that um, asthma uh, guideline that we use the steps. Um, from a COPD assessment, though, I prefer, instead of that cat, the COPD assessment test, I prefer the MMRC because the MMRC is a really easy to remember, right? So the MMRC dyspnea scale is literally you ask the patient, well, tell me about when you get short of breath, okay? And the patient's options, and you can kind of help plug them into any of these, okay? But you can basically say, I only get zero, you score zero if you only get breathless with strenuous exercise, which basically puts you at like a normal person, right? Um, you get a one if the patient is short of breath when walking up a hill or when hurrying on level ground, okay? Uh, a two is on level ground, I walk slower than people of my same age because of breathlessness, or I have to stop because I'm short of breath when walking at my own pace, okay? And you don't see that one as much because most people um, most people have kind of compensated and don't walk as fast uh, that need to slow down. So I don't see that answer, but I see the I walk slower than people of my same age because of my breathlessness, not because of orthopedic issues, okay? You score a three or a four, if you get a three is I stop if I walk 100 yards or a few minutes on level ground. I have to stop because I'm short of breath. And then finally, four is I'm too breathless to leave the house or I am breathless while dressing, you know. Um, and those are obviously severe patients. But the key is basically if they get a little short of breath when walking up a hill or when they hurry or they're strenuous exercise, that's a zero or a one, don't need to worry about them. They're fine, okay? If they're a two or above, then we have to look at probably increasing their dose, right? So um, if they're already on a llama, for example, okay, then you really need to look at increasing that. So if they're on a llama, 
okay, and you've done your due diligence and you've started on the, on the appropriate medicine, then you can go up to either a LAMA or a LAMA slash LABA, a long-acting bronchodilator, okay? And the data is really, really, really clear that a combination of those meds is much superior than monotherapy by themselves in terms of symptom control, hospitalizations, et cetera, okay? And so what are those options, right? So you have uh, umiclidium slash Vilantrol, uh, that's Anora elliptical, again, about 450 bucks, according to GoodRx. Um, uh, Olatrol slash Teotoprium is uh, Stiloto, and that's about 450 bucks a month. Fomoterol slash Glycoperidium, sorry, Glycoperonium, which is Bevesky, and that's about $400. And then a brand new one, uh, Duaclear, which is a a really great drug name, actually, Fomoterol slash Aclididium, and that's uh, about $1,000 a month for that inhaler. So usually, uh, unless insurance pays for that, that is not uh, not gonna work. Now, uh, if you continue to, despite having dual therapy, right, need to have increased, you can go to the tri-therapy, right? So the triphase therapy, which is an ICS, a LAMA, and a LABA. And again, those are for people with continued severe exacerbations, continued severe symptoms, or patients that have a blood eosinophil count greater than 300. And this is really important um, because uh, an eosinophil count greater than 300 cells per uh, MCL is actually associated with a better response to an inhaled corticosteroid in all cases. So even if a patient is just on a LAMA by themselves, but they have a high eosinoph- blood eosinophil count, uh, the inhaled corticosteroid has been shown to have significant benefit. But if your patient has a blood eosinophil count less than 100 cells per MCL, there's probably going to be no value for them with an inhaled corticosteroid. So that's something when I was reviewing these gold standard criteria, something that I don't do in my own practice. I never look at blood eosinophil counts for COPD, and clearly, I, I, I very clearly should be. Now, again, other reasons why you can consider inhaled corticosteroid combination therapies in COPD if your patient also has concomitant or pre-existing uh, asthma before they became uh, or had a diagnosis of COPD, that can also be helpful. But the data is actually really clear that fixed-dose triple therapy compared to a you know standard two-dose combination inhaler has mortality benefit. And so that is something that when patients have Uh, symptomatic COPD with a history of frequent and or severe exacerbations, triple therapy is probably really, really beneficial for them. Now, if they have low blood eosinophils and don't have a history of asthma, they probably wouldn't benefit from an corticosteroid. And so then what what can we reach for? Or let's say they're on triple therapy and they're still having exacerbation. Obviously, macrolide antibiotics, azithromycin, um, have been used in exacerbations for a long time, plus or minus uh, prednisone. And so I think that that is something that continues. But in this review was another drug class that I rarely use, again, mostly because of cost, but also because of my lack of knowledge or experience with it, and that is reflumalist. Okay, uh, reflumalist, reflumalast, sorry, reflumalast, uh, aka Dalaresp, 
um, is a PDE4 inhibitor, not a PDE5 inhibitor, but a PDE4 inhibitor. And that reduces inflammation by breaking down intracellular cyclic AMP, uh, the more you know. Um, and, and that is something that it reduces moderate and severe exacerbations. Um, and so this is something that I think that we don't use at all. Uh, benefits of reflumilast have been reported to be greater in patients with a prior history of hospitalizations for an acute exacerbation. So in your severe, severe um, RD patients on triple therapy, you're putting them on an antibiotic, or maybe they're on a daily antibiotic because they are that that severe. Uh, reflumilast can also be something that we pull, we pull to. Um, I like the name because it reminds me of R-O-F-L, roll on floor laughing, because I'm a child and I, uh, I I use that acronym all the time in text messages. Um, but again, reflumilast, I think, is a, a, is a good go-to that I have yet to go to, but based on this guideline, I probably should be going to in some cases. So that is my quick, succinct, 15-minute knowledge of COPD treatment options, uh, what you can turn to, relative costs, when you should choose things, when you should upgrade, what you should start with, what you can go to, um, and, and having more tools in your arsenal, I think is always a good idea. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this slightly longer episode of the Primary Care Podcast. Again, hopefully this was short enough, condensed enough, good enough content. We didn't need to spend an hour on it, but also helps you uh, uh, get some COPD treatment under your belt. Uh, thanks. This has been Dr. Mark Lewis with the Primary Care Podcast. Remind you, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great week.